right, guys, all right. We still love the greatest nation in the world. And uh, while I'm not so proud of our politicians, I love our nation. Hey, who, want, who really feels inspired to just lead us in a prayer for our nation this morning? Ralph Ross, come on up. <laughs> come on, man, come on. Somebody give him that microphone. All right, come on. You're going to you're gonna have to be my buddy this morning. That's okay, Danae. Just stay there. We're going to be buddies, and he's going to speak right in my mic. Amen. Let's pray for our nation right now, y'all. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to lift up our nation to you right now, and we ask that your uh, hand would be upon it. Ask that you would uh, guide our uh, leaders of this nation. Ask that you would uh, uh, provide new godly leaders for yes, our nation, Lord. Lord. And just, uh, we just uh, cast this care upon you. you. We know that you'll take care of this matter, and we just love you, Lord, for uh, giving us this great nation. And, um, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you. And, Lord, I want to lift up my brother, my good friend, Ron, to you. And I'm so happy and thankful that you're taking care of him. He was, uh, he was out there at the hospital Tuesday and had his surgery done. And look at him right now up here on the stage ready to preach your word and, and just keep on winning souls in your kingdom, Lord. So. I lift up Ron to you, and I just thank you for healing him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. All right, I was just informed this morning that not all of you have Facebook, so you can't keep up. So let me just give you a quick little report for some of you that know and some of you that don't know. Um, uh, and I don't know how far I have to go back, but I'll go back quickly. Last August, August the 20th, I had a wreck on an ATV, and uh, I did a lot of damage to my body, almost died. But one of the things that happened in that wreck was I lacerated my liver, and they thought that I had a scar tissue on my liver after further examination. It turned out to be a cancerous tumor. It was about one centimeter, which is, or, or excuse me, about three centimeters, just under three centimeters, which was about one inch in diameter, not very small at all. Every doctor, every nurse has told me without that ATV wreck, there'd be no way that you would ever, ever, ever know that you had a problem until it's too late. I had no, no symptoms, no pain. I still have no symptoms and no pain. And so went out in April. We did a chemotherapy, a treatment on it. It killed about two-thirds of the tumor. In uh, May, they got an analysis back and said that there was about one-third more to do. And so uh, went back when, uh, Tuesday of this last week. They treated the other third. We believe that you know, that uh, the, the tumor itself is destroyed. Bottom line is that I'm still going to need a transplant, but I don't need it tomorrow. Like I told my daughter, this was mean, I know. She wanted to know how long I had to live, and I told her 72 hours. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I told her, I said, I really want to see you get your, that was my granddaughter, actually, said, I really want to see you get your life right before the Lord before I die. <laughs> so <laughs> you got 72 hours to do it. I know it was mean, I know it was mean, but uh, she's working on it, okay? Uh, but, uh, you know, really, I, guys, I want to just tell you, I cannot believe the kindness that people, and you, you know, especially here in this congregation, I think I've had seven or eight people that have offered me their livers, okay? I mean, it's rare. This, I mean, this is a serious thing. And what happens in a live donor case, they would take, for example, your liver, they'd give me two-thirds of your liver, take out my liver altogether, put in your two-thirds in me, 
Your two-thirds would go back in six to eight weeks. My two-thirds or my one-third would grow back in the same amount of time. But the, the good news is that, you know, my doctor said they, they have what they call a MELD score, and it's a model evaluation that determines what number you are on the list. The list goes from about five or six to 40. Um, my doctor said, I'm on a six, speaking about himself. He said, I'm on a six and I don't have cancer, and you're a, you're a six and you do have cancer. That's how, we, how close we are. That's how much further you have to go. So within the next year and a half or so, uh, I'm going to probably have to have a transplant and get less God intervenes, and that's what I'm looking for. I mean, I believe in healing. This is a church that believes in healing. And so that's what I'm looking for. That's my first choice. So um, without uh, going any further than that, I just wanted to give you an FYI update. If you, I mean, you ever have questions, feel free to call me. Um, you know, I, I know more about the liver than I care to know about. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes we need to know things. So this morning we're starting, we're starting for the next couple of weeks about hearing God's voice, how important it is for us to hear God's voice. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, we see this from, you know, and it, it just blows my mind today that there are churches out there that think that this is all we have. You know, if this were my Bible and this is my Bible, this is my Bible. Some of you use the, uh, the regular Bible, Bible book. Um, but it blows my mind to think that there are some churches that exist today that believe that all of a sudden, when we got the Bible, God stopped talking. And it's ridiculous, because I want you to know that God talked before we even had a Bible. He talked to Adam in the garden on a daily basis. He gave instructions, spoke instructions to Noah on how to build a boat. He spoke to Abraham before there was a Bible about leaving the, the land of Ur, of Iraq, and coming down into the promised land. I mean, God speaks. He spoke to Jacob. He spoke to Isaac and Jacob. He spoke to the 12 patriarchs before there even was a book. God spoke. And then God spoke to Moses about, you know, delivering the children of Israel out of the promised land. All the signs and wonders that God spoke. And then he spoke through the prophets, you know, when the word of God came. And then he spoke in the New Testament. He spoke, you know, before the New Testament was written. He spoke to the apostles and he spoke to, to Paul and, you know, to James and to, um, to Silas and, you know, Barnabas. He spoke to these men of God in prison and out of prison. God was speaking. And for us to think that God all of a sudden has stopped speaking is insanity. I mean, we're crazy to think that, Okay. And so I want you to know that God speaks, and this morning I want to share a scripture with you, and then I want to give you an illustration, and boy, I'm hoping it works. Um, but in John chapter, uh, John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking about him being the, or excuse me, John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking about him being the good shepherd, and he says, truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, and listen to this, and the sheep, and the sheep, and the sheep hear his voice. And we did a song this morning, and there was just a verse in the song, I can't even remember the name of the song, but it said that the wind and the waves, listen, the wind and the waves 
hear his voice. And didn't Jesus say that if these didn't shout out, that even the rocks, they would hear something, even the rocks would hear something and they would cry out. In fact, I think it's, is it Psalm, 19, or Psalm 19, Johnny, that says that all of the universe, that says all, all, of, the, all of the heavens declare his glory. They're shouting. You ever see a full moon, you know, that August full moon? Have you ever seen that? I mean, here in New Mexico, there's no sight on earth like a full moon, that August, the harvest moon in New Mexico, when you see it early in the morning, kind of just like going down, you know, like in the west, and that thing is just illuminating the sky. But the Bible says that his sheep hear his voice. Now, I'm going to give you just a a little illustration here, and uh, I just need to, I need you to close your eyes for a second, and I got Danae, she's going to help me, and uh, just close your eyes, no looking around, I want you to just listen up. Anybody recognize that voice? Go one more time today. Grandma. Who is that? Anybody recognize that voice? Grandma. Anybody recognize that voice? Oh, we can go one more. Let's try somebody else. Grandma. Mama, somebody's calling Mama. Oh, Grandma. Mom. Mom. I don't say Mom or Grandma. Mom. Mom. All right, Mom, somebody's calling you. You hear that? Who is that? Mom. Who is it? Lisa, is that your child? Poor kid. I mean, the kid's lost in the crowd. His mom can't even find him. Oh, you guys are totally ruining my illustration here. Mom! <laughs> oh, that's your son. Okay, that's your son. All right. All right. Go ahead. All right, let's try another one. Mom. Anybody recognize that voice? Mom. Oh, you guys are killing me. <laughs> oh, all right. Go stand up. You think that's your child? Let's see. All right. Here's a mom that recognized her child. Thank God that there's one mother in this room. All right, good job. Let's try one more. Mama. Mom. A little louder. Mama. 
All right, these guys are thinking that's their child again. All right. But if nobody claims their sheet, they want her, okay, <laughs> after the service. <laughs> this, this, this guy's going home with a kid one way or the other. <laughs> All right, that's Ruth. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more, Danae. <laughs> See, I'm one out of three so far. Mom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and that was Arlene and Danae. All right, let's give them a hand. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for working with me. But really, you know, typically that's the way that it works. You know, if you are, thank you, Danae, so much. Um, that in a, um, in a crowd, and, I, and I've been to Israel before, we stayed at a kibbutz once and, uh, just outside of Bethlehem, and uh, we'd go out every morning, I'd go out and kind of do my quiet time on the side of the hill, and there was a shepherd that would walk by, and every day I could see him, and he rattled off some kind of language that I didn't understand, and uh, it, uh, you know, I mean the sheep, you could just see the sheep, they were all over the hillside, and all of a sudden they would just start coming, they would, they would all gather and, uh, you know, come to the shepherd. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, like husbands, you know, uh, you know, if your wife ever calls you on the, on the phone, you never have to say, who is this? You know, uh, if you do, you're in trouble. And uh, believe me, the couch will be waiting for you that night. Uh, but, uh, but typically, you know, we recognize, we learn to recognize voices. And God wants us to be so familiar with him that we recognize his voice. Uh, and so, uh, you know, God, you know I, I know that God has spoken. I look around here and I see so many of you that, um, you know, that God has spoken to you about, about doing something, you know, for him. You know, I mean, whether it's picking up the phone call, how many of you have ever had just that kind of that impression in your heart? You know, I just feel like I need to call so-and-so. Right now, it's just like, that name, that impression, anybody ever feel like that? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Okay, many of you have. And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, like a, uh, I'll, I'll send out a, you know, just like a, something, I feel like I'll think of a name and God will give me a scripture and I'll send that scripture out and, you know, I'll get a response like, man, you don't know how timely that was, how, how needed that was. By the way, I see, um, I, I see Gabriel and Teresa back here in the back. I'm just... You know, would you guys just stand up for just a second? I just want to introduce you to the congregation for those of you that don't know you. Uh, Teresa and Gabriel Royball and, um, you know, uh, the Lord is placed. Here's another example of the Lord. Somebody get her a microphone and hold on to it because I know she's dangerous with one. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Um, uh get her a mic, and I just want her to just explain to you what the Lord put on her, her heart, her mind, and Gabriel's heart, and I mean, and he's an incredible supporter of hers in this ministry, but just take a couple of minutes and just share what the Lord put on your heart and what you're doing this summer. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is so alive and so real, and I feel like uh, we live in a 
culture today where the church has fallen asleep, and maybe it's been over the course of a few generations, that the church has fallen asleep. And the other voices and the other influences in our culture have not fallen asleep. They've been warriors for what they believe is right for them. And a lot of the principles and a lot of the covenant that this country made with the Lord back in the 1600s, our nation was founded in a covenant with God. And if you go and you look up some of these uh, documents, which are easily found online, you will see that the first president of this country made a commitment before God that no one would take an oath of office unless they professed that they knew the Lord Jesus Christ and believed the Bible was the word of God and had a powerful relationship with the Lord God so that they could properly govern. George Washington said that it is impossible to govern a people without God and without the Bible. And this covenant that this country made with God has been broken by our country. We have, over the course of time, become mute and become silent, and we live as if the Lord God is not alive and he's not all-powerful. And like Pastor Ron said when he stood up, he is, you know, we all thank God for modern advances in, in medicine, but Pastor Ron stood up this morning and he said, but I'm believing in healing because my God is alive and my God is real, and my God is a powerful, all-powerful God. And I have received in my body and in my blood a medically certified healing that was completely and utterly impossible under care for the New, New Mexico Cancer Center for a number of years. And Dr. Scott Timperley over there said to me, Teresa, for the 30 years I've been in oncology, every one of my patients comes in and they want a miracle, but I've never seen a miracle until now because I don't know what to call this. If I didn't call what happened to you a miracle, I wouldn't know what else to call it. So even though I'm really not, you know, fully uh, following God, she said, I have to acknowledge that this is a miracle. So anyway, the Lord Jesus Christ for many years, he's been, he's been dealing with me. Since 2013, he really shook up my life, and he let me know, Teresa, there's no more traveling up and down the East Coast for you, because that's where I'm very comfortable and very happy ministering, because that's my home, that's where I come from. But the Lord said, I want to plant you and let your roots go down deep into this community, and I want you to open your mouth, and, and as long as Pastor Ron gave me a moment, I'm going to encourage you guys, because... The Lord spoke to me about the power of the testimony. And when the Ark of the Covenant was set up in the, in the Holy of Holies, in the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord put the olive branch and he put the commandments. And it says that his presence rested over the Ark of the Covenant and over the mercy seat. And the Lord spoke to me and said, my presence rests on the testimony on the power of God in each one of our lives. And there are people in the body of Christ that have struggled with homosexuality and sexual identity issues and drugs and alcohol and unfaithfulness. 
And it's time that the Lord is raising up his people to declare the testimony and the power of God that we individually have experienced in our lives. If we're not transparent and if we're not willing to be bold and to take a stand and to share the power of God in our lives, we cannot impact this community. So the Lord spoke to me about going out into the community and like a trumpet, really declaring in song, in praise, in worship, in preaching, in teaching, really declaring the word of the Lord in this community because that's the only way we are going to take back what God rightfully gave to us in our country is if we will step forward and step out and declare the word of the Lord. So that's what we're doing at the rail yard this summer. Amen. We're declaring Amen. the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ron. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we're talking about hearing God's voice. I know many of you have. Many of you responded to, um, you know, to hearing God's voice, uh, whether it's through a, a phone call or a card, a letter, or something. You know, you're praying for somebody. Uh, and that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that his sheep, uh, can hear his voice. And he says that he calls his sheep by name. He leads them in and out. This is very, I mean, it really parallels Psalm 23, you know, the, the, uh, the good shepherd, uh, the, the parable of the, uh, uh, the, the Lord is our shepherd, not the parable, but the, the psalm of the Lord is our shepherd. And, um, you know, David, the sweet psalmist, is. I, I can just see him. You know, I just envision him on the side of the hill just kind of like, writing this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he talks about, you know, how he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still water and he restores my soul. And, you know, he just talks about all the benefits of, of serving God and, and loving God. And he talks about how, uh, and, and this was something that was very pertinent to me when I had that accident because I felt like in that accident, when I was being airlifted from uh, Angel Fire uh, in a, uh, uh, a helicopter, I, I actually felt like I was dying. I actually, I, I was having a, uh, a death experience on that helicopter. And there's a, a verse in there where David says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I shared this with, with some of you. I mean, it's just so real. It's just as real to me today as it was. It happened August, August the 20th. It's been almost a year now. But I felt like, you know, on the way there uh, that I was di actually dying on the helicopter. And I was, uh, you know, I, I, I entered this place. It was a dimension. I, I don't, it's like even hard to explain. Like Paul, I think it's in Second um, Corinthians. Is that chapter, it might be chapter 11. Uh, don't look it up. It's probably not there anyway. Uh, it's, it's, it's in the Bible, okay? It's in the Bible where Paul is saying, you know, that he, that he went up to this third heaven, and he can't even explain it. You know, he said, I just can't, I can't even explain to you what, you know, what I saw, what I witnessed, what was there. I mean, it was, he uses the word unspeakable in one of the translations. But I, I was in this place that I didn't, I didn't know where I was. It was nothing like here on earth. It was a, a dimension. And how do you explain a place that you'd never been to before? You just, you can't do it. But I was in this place, and, but the, the, I, could re, I could relate to, what I could relate to was thought. I could, you know, it was just like thought was really all I had. 
And I just thought, I kept thinking, what is this? What is this? You know, where am I? I'm someplace I don't recognize. And the thought that came to my mind is you're dying. You're, you are dying. Right now you are dying. And you are entering into, I mean, there's a point where death comes and it's over. But there's a point that's leading up to death that where you haven't actually died yet, but you're getting pretty darn close. And that's where I was. You know, it's, if, you know, if it's not death, you can see it from here. And that's what I was able to do. I was able to see it from here. And I could see at the end, of, as I was ha- traveling at, and through, the, through space at the speed of, speed of light, with light all around me, but I could see there was an end of this. There was a wall there at the end. And at the end of that wall, what came to my mind was David saying that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, well, there's, there's a point between the plain or the mountaintop and the valley. And I was just like, I was just like this right here. If like that was the valley, I was just like this. I was just like getting ready, not stepping in, but the momentum had already kicked in. I could just, I can see it just perfectly right now. As I mean, here explaining it to you, my right foot was up, and I was getting ready to step into the valley of the shadow of death. And I have to tell you that, you know, I know you hear people say all kind of things. You know, they had perfect peace when they were dying. I didn't. I didn't have perfect peace. I was scared to death. Uh, <laughs> all right, poor choice of words. Uh, I was scared. I was scared, and you know, and I, and I didn't have this peace, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, it was just like, my God, you know. I mean, I'm fighting this thing. I'm thinking, I don't want to die. And I wasn't thinking about honestly. I was just, I wasn't thinking about anything but life. I wasn't thinking about people or family or children. Wasn't even thinking about God. All I was thinking about is I got life and I I need to hang on to it and I need to fight with everything I've got in me. I need to fight and hang on to life. And so I'm, you know, and I'm trying to, but I realize that I am in a losing battle. I am not going to win this because the forces that are moving me in that direction are beyond my ability to stop. I cannot stop this thing. It is coming. And I want to just say while I'm on this theme that it's coming to all of us, guys, you know, uh, you know, don't don't be concerned for me. I'm 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 concerned about you. I'm thinking about you because I I'm okay. I know that I'm okay. Uh, regardless of what happens to me, I know that I'm okay. But I re- when I realized that you know, when the thought came into my mind that I was dying and I was afraid, I was terrified. And then you know I started fighting it and fighting it. But there was nothing I could do. I mean, I, the the momentum that I was in was not losing a beat. I mean, I didn't lose one second, one beat. I couldn't hinder it by my will, my emotions, my thoughts. There was no energy that I had that could stop this thing from moving me toward the valley of the shadow of death. But the closer I got, I just, I, I, I started going through these, like, I mean, you know, you, there, I don't know how to describe it. Anybody know what a thermal change is? You know, I mean, if you've ever been, a, if you're a diver, deep sea diver, you go through these thermal change, you'll leave it. Like if you're in the mountains, you know, you're walking in the mountains and all of a sudden, man, it's just a blast of hot. And then all of a sudden you feel this like little cold wave come in. You know, where'd it come from? Well, that's what I was going through. I was going through these like little waves. And the, the more I'd go through these waves, it was like the fear would subside a little bit. And then the fear would subside a little bit. And the more I moved toward this wall, the fear would subside till I got to the point where I thought, you know what? Wait a second, wait a second. This is not bad. This is not a bad thing. This is not a bad thing. This is not a scary thing. You don't have to be worried about this. And finally, I got to the point where I'm just like, 
okay, I'm cool. I'm, you know, God, if this is it, I'm good. Let's go. And then I'm not like, you know, I'm like cheering. I'm cheering myself on. Let's go. Man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to die. There is, I mean, this is good. This is not a bad thing. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not scared anymore. Uh, and I'm just like bringing on, and I could see the end of the wall there, and I got right up to that, and I'm getting ready to step in. And it was almost like I felt the finger of God on the back of my neck pulling me back, just saying, not yet. Now, that was about, I don't know what it was, about, you know, 35, 45-minute helicopter ride from Angel Fire to Santa Fe. I, the whole time I was on that helicopter, that's what I was experiencing. The moment that that helicopter landed at the hospital, Everything was back in time. It was back in real time. I could hear real voices. I could see real people. I could hear conversations. My understanding came back to me. Everything was clear, and I knew that. I just I knew that I knew that everything was going to be okay. What's really cool about this is that my wife Nina, who had just got the call, is on her way to the hospital, and she's like, you know, Lord, I mean, you know, Sal V. Hill, uh, one of our deacons here in the church had called her. He was doing the surveying for me when I had the wreck, and I flipped this ATV down in a canyon, and I was deep down, so far down in a canyon, you couldn't see my wreck, you couldn't see my body, you couldn't see me from where I was on the road when you were driving by, you couldn't see me because I was so far down. And uh, had I not got up and crawled out of that canyon, uh, they would be, you know how these little crosses are on the side of the road right now? Uh, somebody from my family, I'm sure, would have stuck one right down there at the bottom of that canyon. This is where he died. So, but anyway, so I, I get up and, you know, and I get back up to the road. And Sal had called my wife and uh, said that, man, he's been in a bad wreck and it doesn't look good. And she asked the question, this is so cool, because she asked the question, she said, Lord, you know, I mean, is this the way it's going to be over? I mean, you get a phone call, and then in a moment, and you know, on a dime, life changes. And some of you have got those phone calls that, you know, your mother died, your father died, your brother or sister died, your grandfather died. In the middle of the night, when you're not thinking about it, you get that call, and you're not, you're not ready for it. You're never ready for it. But she got that call, and she's asking the question, you know, is this how it's going to end? Is this how our family is going to be over? And God spoke to her two words, just like this right here and on the back of my neck, and said, not yet. Spoke the same word to her that he spoke to me, okay? And when we, when we got that word, I tell you what, you know, she got that word, she had peace, I got that word, I, got, I had peace. All right, so in... Um, I'm going to wrap this up because I know you guys are hungry. And, and this is just a little intro to what we'll be in for the next few weeks about hearing God's voice because I want you to, I mean, the greatest things in the Bible, there, there's nothing, you cannot tell me one great thing that happened in the Bible without the Word of God behind it. I mean, God's Word is speaking. God was speaking. I mean, He spoke miracles. He spoke, you know, the resurrection of Jesus. He spoke the building of the ark, the parting of the Red Sea. Um, you know, the, the donkey speaking, the floating of the axe head, everything great that happens, happens by the Word of God. The world and the universe and everything happened at the voice, at the Word of God. And God is still speaking and He wants to speak to you right now. And some of you need to hear a word from God. You're kind of lost. You're in this place. It's like, 
You know, what do I do? Where do I go from now? You know, I think about it. I think it's in Exodus chapter 33. I sent this out to some of you this morning. Now I forgot where it's from. But is it in Exodus 33? Exodus 33. Moses. I mean, the, this, he, he saw more great things probably than every Old Testament uh, prophet combined. I mean, think about the miracles that he saw and he heard from God. God spoke to him and said, this is what I want you to do. Water in the blood, you know, the Nile. Uh, you know, the hail, the darkness, the, the lice, the, you know, all of those things that came upon the, lot, on the, on the land of Egypt um, came as the spoken word of God. And all of those great things. And then he gets to a place in Exodus 33 where this great man of God is lost. And he's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know which way to turn. And then we see Jesus speaking in John chapter 14. And he says, that the Holy Spirit whom I will send will lead you and guide you in all truth. And then we see, and I think it's in uh, Psalm 61, where David says, man, I, I, I need to hear from God. I need a word from God. I need a word from God. God, I'm, you know, I'm in a mess. I'm in a corner. I'm in a crunch. It's crunch time. Finances, relationships, marriage, you know, schools. Do I go? Do I not go? Where do I go? Where do I get the money? A thousand questions you, were, you guys are asking, and some of you think that God doesn't even care about that stuff. You think that God just cares about your spiritual stuff that you're going through. I want to tell you that you're wrong. You're wrong about that. Jesus cared about people that were hungry. He cared about fish and loaves. He cared about, God cared about how people are going to get across the Red Sea. You know, when it was all, it was deep and they could drown there. He dried it up. He's concerned about how you're going to get across your Jordan River. God was concerned about that. There was a widow that was broken. Her children were getting ready to be sold into slavery. She was concerned about that. And because it was her concern, it was God's concern. So don't get so spiritual on me, okay? I mean, God is concerned about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and where you're going to sleep tonight, how you're going to pay your bills, where you're going to work, how you're going to put your kids through college. God is concerned about all of that, and he's willing to talk to you about it if you're willing to listen and hear his voice. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, his ways are so much higher than my ways, and his thoughts are so much higher than my thoughts. I just need to stop, you know. I, you know, of course, you know, all of us have been there. I thought I had it all figured out, and I didn't. But, um, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. And so in verse 7, Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, and anyone who comes by me will be saved, will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he said that I have come, I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not, he who do, does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves them, and the sheep flee. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them, and he flees because he's a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and they know me. And just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's speaking to Jews at this point, but now he's speaking to those that are not of this fold, to you and I, unless you're a Jew this morning. 
He's speaking to the Gentiles that he wants to bring into the fold so Jews and Gentiles would be in the same fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And no one, no one, no one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. I receive this charge from my Father. And so a counterpart to the Scripture, and I'm not going to finish this this morning, okay? I'm just going to give you the intro, and then we'll uh, get back into it uh, deeply uh, next week. In Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 20, it says, My child, he's speaking to you. He says, Pay attention. Listen, get the correlation here between my sheep hear my voice, okay? And I know them. And then the Holy Spirit, he says, I will lead you and I will guide you and I will direct you. Right, You've got to put all of this together because he says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate into your heart. Remember what the word, the word says? That, that out of the mouth, the mouth speaks because of what's going on in the heart. Out of the issues of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says, listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deeply into your heart, for they bring life. And some of you need life so desperately today. You know, it's just like you've been locked in this one spot for so long, and God's saying, you know, I, I really want to get you out. You know, I mean, you know, you've been in it five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, and Someone was talking about, Mark was talking about the pain this morning. How many of you have been in pain? And, and the Lord's saying, you know, I, I came to heal you in your body and in your soul and in your spirit. And if you'll just take heed and listen to my word, the problem is that you're like, you know, I used to be. Because when I was deep and steep in sin, I wanted both worlds. I wanted God's world, so I wanted to get out of hell free card, okay? I didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't want to be obedient to God's word. I wanted enough of God to be saved, if that's possible, and not be obedient to his word. And some of us are like that. You know, we, we, we want to be saved, but we don't want to offer full obedience to the word of God. But if you will offer full, full obedience to the word of God, it says that if you don't lose sight of God's word, and you let them penetrate into your heart, they will bring life to those that find them and healing to their whole body. Guard, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of life. Now, he talks about uh, four things here, and I'm just going to mention them so that you can go back. This is from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 23. He says, number one, pay attention to his work. Number two, he says, listen carefully. Don't just hear the word of God. It's not the hearers of the word of God that are justified before God, but it's the doers of the word. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight. Keep it. That means just keep it ever before you. Have you ever seen, you know, uh, I mean, we've all lost sight. We've all done it. We've all been guilty. I was guilty on the way in. I was looking for something on my phone driving in this morning. Next thing I know, I'm weaving all over the road. I'm texting. I'm, I'm not texting. I'm looking at something on YouTube. Worse than texting. And... Uh, but I, I remember 
you know, I, I remember driving down Sirius Road. You know, how many of you ever witnessed road rage? Ever see anybody ever witness road rage? Man, I, I, I witnessed these two guys right next to me, guy in a green truck, and, and I, I didn't see what, you know, initiated the event. But, uh, and if this is you, just, uh, if I'm talking about you, just act like I'm not, okay? Uh, but the, uh, the, the guy in the green truck passes the guy that apparently cut him off, and, it, you know, he's giving him some kind of single-digit salute in the rearview mirror and, or, or in the back window, and he turns around to make sure that the guy behind him sees him, like gets in front of him, slams on his brake real fast, and, you know, gives him the little hand signal. And then all of a sudden, the guy, while he's looking behind him, rear-ends the car in front of him. It's just like I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you know, what a mess. And this is what we do. This is how we get ourselves into trouble. Because he took his eyes off of the Word. That's what this means right here. He says, don't lose sight. Don't take your eyes off of God's Word. Don't take your Word. Take your, take your eyes off of God's commandment. And then finally he says, let them penetrate deep into your heart. We'll pick up there next week, God. It's going to be a great series Hearing God's Word, I want you to hear it because in hearing God's Word, you will find life, and that's what God wants you to find. Why don't you just stand with me for just a moment? Anybody think God is good this morning? All right, all right. Hallelujah. I do too, man. He has been good to me. He has been so good to me. Father, we bless you. I want to thank you for every person in this room this morning, Lord. I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. I just want to give you an opportunity this morning. Maybe, you know, there wasn't a lot preached this morning, but there was a lot said, and maybe there was something that said that spoke to your heart. But if you find yourself in that place where, kind of like I was talking about fighting death and not wanting to go there, maybe you feel that way this morning. Maybe you feel like if today was your day to go, that you're not quite ready. And I want you to be ready. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And I just want you to do that this morning. In fact, we're all just going to say it. I, I, I am, you know, Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not, guys. I'm not, I, I can stand before kings and governors. I don't care who I stand before from the top to the bottom. And I can say, you know what? I can just tell you for days on end what Jesus has done for me, how God has saved me, how he's delivered me uh, from the life of sin and destruction. And I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, now, some of you are going to be saying this for the thousandth time, and some of you may be saying it for the first time, but I would like for us all to say it together. Ready? Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's try it again. Let's say it a little louder. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's try it one more time. Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is just Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Now, I'll just tell you that if you said those words this morning, and you believe, you really do believe the story of Jesus, 
that he was raised from the dead, I want to tell you that you would be saved. And today would be the beginning of salvation for you. The Bible says that, that your name would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you would be saved, and you won't be perfect. You'll walk out of here. you probably sin this afternoon. you probably sin tomorrow, this next week, because I know I will. I will, and you will as well. But the Bible says that when you say those words and when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, it doesn't make you perfect. What it makes you is saved. It makes you saved in the eyes of God. It means that you've just simply been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that God has forgiven you all of your sins. I don't care how bad you've been, what you've done, who you've done it with. God has forgiven you all of your sins, and it's the beginning of a change in your life. You know what? You probably won't even see it. You may not even recognize it for a month or two months or three months or four months, but somebody's going to come up to you eventually and say, you know what? You are different. Your life is different. There's something different about you. I can't pinpoint it. I can't put my finger on it, but I can see there's something different about you, and you will know that it started on the day that you said, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen.